everyone, and welcome to another episode of Fam, Friends, and Magic, the Magic the Gathering podcast about magic and the gathering. Oh, my name is Bill Gretton. Everyone calls me Brasky, and today I am joined, as always, by the Mighty Linguini, Caroline Cavanaugh, Lady of the Crease, Nicole Callahan, and Inextrad, Nick Price. Hey, howdy, hey, y'all. Hey, howdy, hey. Leaving. Hey, howdy, hey. <laughs> What Nicole hasn't realized is that. Uh, so, so for those not into the podcast right now, because of course we're going to start off on this foot, uh, we have we have now pranked Nicole several times before actually starting the recording of said podcast. And the final like icing on this prank cake was the fact that we were all using her intro uh, to to this wonderful podcast. So Nicole, except uh, Nicole. Yeah, she so Nicole, yeah, I'm you not need to. to it. Nicole, what, what, make, what make, language is I'm leaving? Like, what, 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 right? Read? Like, yeah, <laughs> I, it's Norse. Uh, Nicole, I'm going to need an actual like introduction to yourself on this. Doesn't have to be hey, howdy, hey, but it needs to be something. But I now I'm lost. Oh no. Okay, well, we'll lead you back in this direction. I know right now things are getting a little emotional and you don't really know how to feel about things. Because, well, we, we, we kind of, we took your thunder and that's okay. It's okay to feel emotions right now because that's, guess what? The topic nice. of this podcast, which is going to be emotions. Stealing things from Nicole. And Why stealing things from Nicole. the big bucks, everybody. <laughs> all right. Yes. I get paid in girlfriend NFTs. That's how I get paid in all this kind of stuff. That's how it's done. Are you going to release the first eight minutes of recording, Brasky? Maybe as a bonus, as a bonus for any of our listeners who would really enjoy it, that might be released at some point. So as you see, we've gone from betrayal to sadness to actual elation. So many emotions are at stake right now in this podcast. There's so many emotions and magic. But before we get too emotional about any of these things, I also want to know how our week and magic has been. Let us start with... The one who we took her entire thunder and stole it from. So I want her to start off this entire week of magic. Nicole, how was your week of magic? My week of magic's been uh, pretty good. I've been still doing the uh, arena on mobile thing, playing some historic. I need to get started on standard soon. Um, I'd like to play in the open this weekend. So probably going to pick up mono green. Uh, probably going to pick up Sam's deck, actually, from Worlds. So that's... <laughs> That's that's what I'm looking at. It's my kind of deck. It's my kind of deck. So during we'll this see moment, how that Caroline goes. is shaking her head. No. <laughs> like really shaking. Like not just like sort of going side to side, like really Your being win like, rate was twenty six percent. Really? Yes. Well, I might do it anyway. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I, I also played it this weekend, but <laughs> And then uh yeah, I've been working on we've got uh I guess there are female things like in the works but that's in the works works so we'll see how that goes yes and as opposed to the regular works this is in the works works which is the where works you works. know it's actually we're working happening. on it being in the works yes so. there will be eventually there will be an announcement of an announcement so stay tuned for that announcement of said announcement love it absolutely fantastic <laughs> nick how was your week in magic it's been okay um i've been focusing on some personal goals um you know nothing too heavy but i haven't really had time to play magic i did i did get the fire one bullet um in the scg last week um i, I went three three with uh with the is it epiphany list i really enjoyed it and i do plan on playing in the arena open uh this week um but yeah so just you know been a light week uh in terms of magic for me but i have been playing a considerable amount of the standard through the ages event which we are going to talk a little bit more about um later on 
Darn right, you are correct on that one. And I have, you know, I have a good deck that I want to see brought forth at some point. And I'm just going to say it right now. You'll never guess the color scheme of that deck. Mm, Not nice. anyone anywhere will ever be able to guess it. It's true. Caroline, how was your week in magic? So, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. My week in magic was interesting. Um, as you may know, uh, Sam was competing in a magic tournament this weekend. No big deal. Um, so he was playing in Worlds. So most of my Friday, uh, even most of my Saturday, uh, and not any of my Sunday, was devoted Aww. to watching uh, him Spoilers. Play. Just kidding. <laughs> On Friday, he did well. And that made Saturday kind of a lot harder because he actually had three different matches. If he'd won any of those matches, he would have made it to top four. So it was a pretty, like, wah, wah, wah kind of moment. But him coming fifth and not fourth is actually not the saddest thing to happen to us this weekend because <laughs> I was spending so much time focusing on him playing Worlds that I started my arena qualifier run. Um, I When I started, I thought I had three hours to finish, so that was planned. I had planned to leave myself three hours. Um, turns out I actually only had two hours, and I didn't know this. What I had to do was be starting my seventh win match before... Uh, we'll, we'll say 5 p.m. Pacific before 5 p.m. Pacific. So, but I ended up finishing my sixth win match at 5:02 Pacific. So I was not allowed to enter to the next match, which there's no guarantee I would have won. And if I'd lost, I also wouldn't. It wouldn't have mattered. But it was quite a like a an actual like wah wah wah. So as you can tell, mine was clearly worse and I'm way more sad about it than Sam's. It's true. Yeah, no, that's that's devastating yeah. that you weren't so specific with your Pacific. Like I get it. Like that's a thing that yeah. was a, a troubling was, thing that we had to face. It was like I made all my decisions in my day. Like I did not want to make any different decisions, but I just did not work off good information. I, I should have read the uh, thing better because 6 p.m. Pacific was mentioned, but it was mentioned that that's when the La the matches have to be resolved by and i was not understanding the queue thing so that was my bad um i will tell you that this weekend i did put a lot of effort into using all of my tokens that i have on my arena account i have probably like six or seven draft tokens and i still have two sealed tokens and every time we come to an arena open i'm always so bummed because i don't <clears throat> all my gems are kind of locked into those drafts and so I ended up using them. And so I actually now have a gem collection in time to burn it away during the arena open. So. Yep. Thanks. Makes total sense. I, I will say as well that like I've had, I had a glorious time during worlds, like watching worlds was fun and I was rooting for Sam the entire time, but also like they had that cool side event in arena where you could play the competitors decks and you would be their like avatar. And so like, you know, I, I, I just kind of wanted to tweet at Sam at some point and just be like, God, because I got to say, like, you know, the deck might have not done well in best of three, but it was great in best of one. I'll tell you what, I was just smashing people. And I just kept wanting, I wish there was a time where I could speak to Sam and be like, God, is this what it's like to be like you? feels great. Like, this is awesome. This is such a good time. I, love I really, sorry, that's a good time to mention. I freaking loved the Sam facts that went out on Friday. They were <laughs> yes. so funny. They made my day. I was like reading them out to Sam. It was great. <laughs> Anyone who follows the uh, Friends and Magic podcast on Twitter, which is at fam underscore podcast, you could have caught and can still read all of the totally legitimate, absolutely true, and no way false facts about Sam Pardee. Some mm. of my favorites would include 
that legend has it that Brian Kibler came up with the idea for Cobblade by listening to Sam Pardee talk in his sleep. <laughs> also, another fun fact, Sam Pardee has reach. He, who would have thought? Who would have thunk it? I mean, people but, keep attacking their fires into Sam Pardee. It just never works. Never, ever, yeah. ever do it. That's why he can't, he literally can't fly on planes because he has reach. Like he's just like, he, it's just, it's so difficult for him. It's just very, very challenging. But you know what? You want to find out the rest of the facts about Sam Pardee. You can look him up on Twitter at fam underscore podcast. And trust me, when you read those things, you will have a grand old time. And I had a grand old time watching worlds for all of that. It was a lot of cool, uh, you know, a lot of cool matches that were happening back and forth. That was a lot of fun, but I had a huge busy weekend doing a lot of other things. So I was kind of had magic on the periphery, you know, watching a bunch of stuff there in that way. But when I, when I had time to myself, I did what any wonderful, what, what any self-respecting casual player did, which was I sat down, you know, cracked a beer and I started tweaking my commander deck in ridiculous ways that were probably bad for the way the deck should go. That's kind of what I did. So I've been making adjustments to my uh, Alela Artful Provocateur deck and, of course, the Will Help the Rock Cleaver deck on that one. I have to make sure that I like at least chalk something up whenever I mention these decks. It just feels that type of way. But the best thing about it was like, all right, the Zombies deck is in a good place. It has a lot of oops. I actually went infinite combos. Like, I didn't mean to, but here we are. Like, that's what happens. <laughs> Uh, but the last thing that I actually finally added to a Layla that I finally got into my hands was a copy of Dire Undercurrents, which is like a Layla is an artifacts and enchantments deck. She makes blue tokens. I have bitter blossoms that make black tokens. Dire Undercurrents is three and two uh, hybrid Demir mana. And anytime a blue creature enters the battlefield, target person, target player can draw a card. Anytime a black creature enters the battlefield, target player will discard a card. So I played it with my group, and I said, I'm not going to make these decisions. Y'all are going to choose who, who draws a card, and y'all are going to choose who discards a card. You just can't choose yourself, and you can't choose me to discard. And that's what it was. And it turned out to be this ridiculous... I sat back, and the rest of the people I were playing with were constantly arguing with each other over who was going to draw and who was going to discard. And they're trying to make deals with one another all over a card that I played. That caused some very stirring emotions amongst the play group. I will say that, especially because it was a bunch of random people on spell table. All I know <laughs> is that I'm keeping that card in my deck from now on. And regardless of the emotions that some random strangers on the internet felt on spell table, we all feel different emotions when we play Magic the Gathering, depending on the stakes, depending on the format, depending on how we feel about ourselves as players. There's so many things to go into. But before we get to that... We also have to talk about the things that we enjoy about the game. And one of the things that we enjoy is sometimes our favorite decks throughout history and standard. And so Nick mentioned earlier about playing the uh, the standard gauntlets. And so, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about, about the gauntlets and uh, this little kind of fun activity that we're going to do for this next section here. Yeah, for sure. So this this event um, is actually almost ending. I think by the time this, this podcast goes out, the event will have ended because it only lasted a week. But... In place of like the usual uh, cube offerings or flashback drafts that Modo uh, tends to put out, you know, in, in the middle of a set release, this time they're doing this kind of constructed event where you get to pick one of sixteen standard decks, um, like from Magic's history, and you just get you you know you pick it like a draft. You, you pick one deck and you play it through three rounds, and you get paired against uh, o- like other players who who've chosen their own decks and. Yeah, there's just a really fun selection of decks that personally I, I I've played some of these decks and there are other decks that just like existed and were good in standard way before I started playing. So it's really fun playing 
for example, Omnath Ramp. You know, I'm just going to mention a random deck that I that I saw Omnath Ramp. <laughs> just random, again. just yeah, totally yeah. random. Yeah, against, that's not the, yeah. yeah uh, Disciple of the Vault Inf- uh, Affinity. You know, Ravager Affinity. So it's pretty sweet. Yeah, uh, I'll just rattle off like the the decks that are that are in that are in this event real quick. Oh no, where'd my show notes go? <laughs> I cl- I closed the window. Oh no! I can give you the rundown of some of the things that were there. We had Sly, we had Cobblade, we had Jund, we had Fairies, we had Blue Red Delver, Valakut Madness, Affinity Vehicles, Mono Black Control, Zoo, Five Color Control, Splinter Twin, Battle of Wits, Goblin Bidding, and all caps, Omnath. <laughs> I, I don't know why that. I think that that was a, that was a typo. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I yeah. think it was a completely a typo. That's okay though. Yeah, so I I think that you know there's been kind of a decent amount of discussion on Twitter about which decks are the strongest. I think I think the consensus is that Omnath and Cobblade are are the strongest decks, and you know true enough they did kind of dominate the standard eras that they that they um, were legal in. Um, so you know I, I don't really like talking about like what decks should and should not be in that particular gauntlet because I think that as a as a first try there's a lot of fun stuff, and I think uh, David McDarby the the uh, the dev or or the game designer who was in charge of this event, I think he did a re- real good job, you know, selecting from a a cross section from a huge sample of decks uh, over the ages. So I think it would be really cool to talk about, you know, what what decks we really enjoyed playing, not necessarily the strongest decks, but what decks from standards history stood out, and what might I don't know what might be super fun to play against Omnath Ramp or Cobblade, even though um, I you know. My favorite black green cryptolith right deck will absolutely get crushed by like seventy five percent of the decks on this gauntlet list. I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're saying. So I, that's the big question: is what is like it's, if we were bringing something to a gauntlet, like our 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 pet deck of standard, or even something like maybe we didn't get to play, like maybe never never you, we were never part of that standard. What is the deck that you would play on that one, Caroline? I'm, I want to I want to hand it over to you. All right. So besides the ultimate amazing mono green list that Sam Pardee played, because again, there's so many great Sam Pardee facts that we can touch on it at fam underscore podcast. What would you play if you were going to bring a standard deck from any time in magic history to a standard gauntlet? Yeah. So I think I'm going to have the same kind of feelings as Nick. I, I think my choices are going to get destroyed in the existing gauntlet, um, but I wrote them down anywhere anyway, and they're kind of predictable because I think I've talked about them on the podcast before. So top, of my list, of my personal list that I remember and I love is the Domri Raid Gruel. And I specifically just said that one. It had like Perlucranos and um, Domri. And I think maybe it had, uh, what was the other? Is it Xenagos, I think, the Planeswalker at some point? Like, you know, any any version of that standard Gruel. Uh, that's just my first standard deck. Like, it's just going to hold a place in my heart. It was my, I went brought it to the first Grand Prix I played. Um, it was just fun. I don't think it was very good. So don't, don't go picking it, but it's definitely in my gauntlet. And then the one that I actually really, this is where I started to get better at competitive magic and, um, felt like I understood the mid range format for like the first time was Mardu green. Um, this is memorably one of my favorite formats because the mana was so, I mean, some people don't like this, but I personally like that the mana was so open. Fetches were in standard fetches and shocks were in standard. And, uh, they, this deck was four colors. It was called Mardu Green. Like they ran out of, they they had to add an extra word to cover how many colors it was. And it had like Goblin Dark Dwellers, which is one of my favorite cards of all time. Um, I think it had uh, Obnixilis 
big big daddy of Nixilis. So lots of uh, lots of fun memories there. I think that one actually might be fine. I don't know the power level of that that deck at all really, but I think it would probably be okay. Uh, and then I think I stole Nick Thunder because I have green black. It's not quite the same one as Nick just mentioned, but I have green black Ishkana, which is the one that um, like Sam did pretty well with at a couple of PTs. Uh, it's the one that he played recently against Luis when they did like a PT because they've been kind of doing this on their stream. They've been like taking two PT decks and playing them against each other. Uh, and Sam was playing the green black Ishkana deck. So those are the three that I have on my list. I like it. I like it. Nicole, what's what's the what's the deck that you're playing with? Well, it's funny because one of my first competitive decks was right around when what Caroline was talking about, but instead of Gruel, I was playing Naya. I was playing like Naya Planeswalkers. Oh, nice. With like top end, like the, I was playing Xenagos and um, Domri Raid, but I was also playing, it was like Corsair Crew Fix and things yeah. like that. And, Cards um, were great back then. Yeah, I think topping off at Elspeth, I can't remember. Oh, I, I think, think Stormbreath Dragon was probably there too, right? Stormbreath Dragon, Fleece Mane Lion. Oh, uh, yeah. But I actually Fleece enjoyed the, the Abzan like version once siege rhino came to be that was that was like my because that's when i was like grinding i was playing like two iqs every weekend i was playing it was like siege rhino and offensa fleece main lion unflinching courage uh warden of the first tree or something it was yep. like in the one drop slot blood blood soaked champion like replaced it at one point like it was just like a really good deck. It was the, the first top eight I ever had was with that deck at an IQ in New Jersey. So like I have like a lot of good feelings about that deck. Um, also, right after that, I played uh, my red, black, and sometimes Mardu, depending on which format we were in, uh, Dragons with Coligan Storm's Fury, which is one of my oh, favorite yeah. creatures of what all time. And I love the card Crackling Doom. Um, and actually, oh. one of my favorite like magic interactions ever was because it was like you said, like there was so, mm. so many mana bases. Everybody's like playing like four colors. Yeah. I was main decking two self-inflicted wounds. Self-inflicted wound is one in a black for a sorcery. And it is uh target player sacrifices a green or white creature. If they do, it's like you gain two life or they lose two, something like along those lines, but I had in my main deck and it was like, literally it said like if, only if the creature was green or white. And it was just like, it didn't matter because everybody was playing every color. So you either had one or the other. I was playing one of the only decks that didn't play green or white creatures. So if I was in the mirror, they came out. But besides that, it was a really, really good card at that time. And I'll go with my third deck was actually a, a deck that I, like Bresky said earlier, I didn't have the opportunity to play, but kind of made me sort of fall in love with magic. When I had started playing and the whole Naya Planeswalkers and Fleece Mayline and Pelucranos and all that Um that Return to Ravnica blue-white control deck. Uh, I had just started watching like oh, serious competitive. No. I know, I know, I'm I know. The show. No, <laughs> no, no. Was, Let her speak. Let whiskey, her speak. It is Aetherling Aether or whatever. It was no, I actually hated that card. But okay. um, <laughs> it's like the t the the, like the would be like Elspeth. Elspeth, okay. you know, like make three tokens like leave up dissolve oh, or whatever cool. it was. So, but here because. It was my first real like encounter with like the competitive magic scene. Right. And obviously I'm I'm tagging along and Jim's doing well in all these tournaments and he plays this deck and it's like a dance. Everything is like perfectly like practiced and it it, it like watching but and draw cards tap land. At, no, no, no elixir. No elixir. Okay, okay. Like it was actually it was really like straightforward. Like I actually specifically loved his list. Like, okay. I hated Elixir. I thought it was stupid. I hated Aetherling. I thought that card was stupid, too. So uh, hot takes here. But I I, um, 
I, I really, I really liked his list. And I, I think it was just like watching him play it and being like, I want to do that. I want to have that level of like confidence and like watching play control decks. And I, even to this day, I haven't played a control deck like in a competitive format, but I absolutely adored watching him play that deck. And I was like, one day I'll play a blue eye control deck like that. And I, I've been sad because it's, I thought it was like an archetype that would just like come back and just be good. And it just like, hasn't. So <laughs> I'm wait. I did try it once with Dream Trawler. I tried playing blue white, but it wasn't really. It didn't go over that great. Oh, I did that like, was during okay. the VML. We played. Yeah, yeah. I, I tried it a few. I times. Think yeah, that was did. your. It was like our very first match in the VML because you played on Jim's <laughs> account. I really remember yes. this. This is crazy. Yes. It's like season one or season two. That, that's I, the I really remember that. Like that's wild. And I didn't know who you were. Like I, we didn't really know each other. No, not at all. I'm playing Nicole this week, (laughs) and she's on blue white. Like that was week. That was like that might be our first match ever in the VML. That might be. It probably was. It might be. It might have been like season one. It might have been like week one because I was like trying to figure it it out. I was like, I wanted to try, you know, a blue white deck just because I've been like chasing after that return to Ravnica blue white control dream for you know six years. So. Yeah, that's that. I can't. As you said it, my memory just totally came back. I was like, I'm pretty sure you played that in the VML. I probably, I definitely did. I, you know, I it was probably very, very early on. It was probably like week one or two for us. So, I love that's the phrasing of, of blue white Ravnica control dream. Like that's just yes. like yeah. I loved I loved that <laughs> album from Yes. Like it was so great. <laughs> it was absolutely perfect. Speaking think, of dream, what about your dream, Brasky? What's your what's your dream to have in Gauntlet? Like? Well, I mean, I had the one. It's like okay, so I haven't been playing Magic as long. I'm not as enfranchised as as my co-hosts here. So uh, I was kind of thinking about okay, when I started playing Magic, like in a way that's like somewhat competitive in some way, shape, or form. When I participated in Standard in a lot of ways. So what was the deck that I just saw myself always going to? Um, I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint of the color scheme. It actually wasn't Grixis. It was close what? to Grixis. No, Jeskai Control. Jeskai Control was was my favorite kind of standard deck to play. I tried to make it work no matter what was happening right now. So I came in like right around to like Magic Arena, right when like like in the betas and that kind of stuff when Kaladesh and Aether Revolt were still things. But then when Ravnica, when Guilds of Ravnica and Ravnica Allegiance came out and that kind of stuff, that was the one deck that I, no matter what, no matter how good or bad it was, I played Jeskai Control because I thoroughly love that deck. And sometimes, guess what? It was actually competitive. And what I enjoyed about it, I think what a point that you made, Nicole, was the idea of a control deck being like a dance. And I think that's what I found about like how I like to play the game of Magic because I was still figuring out like mechanics and still figuring out like how this differs from other card games and why, why I enjoy what I enjoy in that kind of ways, right? And so in that it really did make me focus a lot. I spent a lot of time being deliberate with the deck as opposed to just being like, I play this, this sounds good. I'm going to use my mana efficiently. Sure, I'm going to play this. It made me be deliberate with the deck. It made me think about sideboarding. It made me think about why I'm playing what I'm playing and how I should play things. That's what kind of, it's a deck that sparked why I like to play Magic. So that's why I would like go with any any standard Jeskai controlled deck in that way. I love it. I love at this, at the same time, if I was choosing any standard deck like <laughs> in the history of Magic, and uh, you know, I was looking through a lot of different decks. I was kind of going through deck histories of even ones that didn't work, that weren't all that great, but that made kind of an impact in some way, shape, or form. Maybe had some top eights at some, you know, pro tours or things like that. And I gotta say, um, I think we all know where I'm going with this. 
That's right. You guessed it. Grixis Psychotog. That's where I'd be going with this. All right. I'd be playing some Psychotog on some things. I would be discarding cards. I would be killing other things. I would be playing things like what, what's, what was the, uh, I'd be playing some Terminates. I'd be playing Factor Fictions. I'd be playing <laughs> Upheaval, right? Like, give me all of that, please. That's what I need right now. That's where I would jump off with all of this stuff. So that's also a dance. It's just more like less waltz, more running man. So. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and you know what? That's the best way I would describe my play style. Absolutely. I have some great news, everybody. All right, let's hear it. Okay, I did some sleuthing while Brasky was talking <laughs> about his interests. So here's the thing. First of all, we are wrong. We did not play in week one of the BML, mostly what? because you did not join in week one of the BML. Oh, that's right. I joined late. You joined late. There's a message about that. Um, and then the we did not play the blue-white matchup because we must have played at least three weeks in because here's a message that says... Um, I need to use uh, Jim's account. I just switched decks after three weeks. And I said, oh, that's sad. I thought you were going to be on on Blue White. <laughs> and I said, I may have made choices based on that. Got him. <laughs> so in February of 2020, you got me, Nicole. <laughs> I don't I don't think that's the BML I won, so it must have worked. <laughs> no, it's season See, two. Right? I won yeah. did I win season, won season two, two and three? Oh. And three, yes. Then maybe. Yeah, because season one, one was high banana fish. Right. Okay, this is I think that's that what this season is. So I, I you you did it. You got me out of the BML. I don't know <laughs> if I won though. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I, yeah. But here's the thing, Caroline, here's the thing. When you found out that that Nicole maybe switched decks on you and you thought that she was going to play something and, and ended up playing something different, right? You, 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 you expected blue white and then something else came out and around that way. How did you feel at that point? Did you feel? Did oh, you feel I was betrayed? like, I'm never going to talk to this person ever. She's the freaking <laughs> worst. Exactly. Exactly. Right. I had to scroll. Nicole, we've talked about, I had to scroll through a lot. To get to the top. <laughs> this metagaming. Uh, yeah. That was, that was, that was a really fun <laughs> dig into last year. Like, <laughs> It felt like right. it was literally five years ago. Exactly. <laughs> Last exactly. There's a lot of emotions to to dig through in that, right? We have to feel out, like, you know, how we feel about uh, our opponents, how we feel about the decks we're playing, how we channel that emotion into how we play the game of Magic the Gathering, which is kind of where we wanted to talk about with this topic today, and that is emotion in Magic and a lot of different pieces about it, like kind of... Well, you know, in Extrad, which, by the way, he's kind of going through some internet things, so he will come back into this, hopefully, at some point. If not, we're going to have him do commentary over the rest of the cast, so he's just kind of, like, making points about things. So the thing that kind of we wanted to touch about was the discussion of emotion in Magic, which is the fact that, you know, there was a lot of emotions shown at the World Championships, and a lot of, like, you kind of got to see how important it was to so many of these competitors. And for some folks... Emotion, I mean, let's let's say it this way. Emotion plays a big part into the competitive side of the game. It plays a big part in even the non-competitive side of the game. Emotion comes in, into anything that we do in life. And so there's a lot of different ways we can discuss and talk about emotion in the game of Magic the Gathering. Whether that be the emotions we show before the match, after the match, how we deal with emotional swings during the match, how we deal with 
how we, uh, maybe in a casual sense, how we deal with the emotions of other players at our play group and that kind of thing. There's so many different ways that we can talk about how to deal with emotions. Nicole, I, I kind of would want to start with you and talk about when we think about emotion in magic, when we're talking about maybe the swings, like if we're playing a super competitive event, if we're playing a weekend event, something like that, when you think about emotions in magic, there's a lot of different ways we can go with this conversation. What is it? What is something that came to mind for you? So there's, I mean, a lot came to mind because I think there's a lot of different uh, ways to express emotion and, and to feel it without expressing it. But everything comes in moderation, including moderation. That's like my big thing. Like we're obviously um, referring a lot to this past uh, weekend with worlds, uh, with uh, um, how Yuta was expressing emotion uh, after making top four and winning. And I think it was a great thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. I think it's actually something that it's very good for the game. And I think it's a very healthy thing to see um, because, you know, putting yourself in their shoes for a second and being like, this is worlds. It's, it is the literal world stage for magic. This player was down Oh three. And when you're down Oh three and you've got to psych yourself back up, now you're getting emotionally invested in your performance. You're saying, listen, I can turn this around. I can do this. And you have to keep reaffirming yourself, like to think about the hole that you feel like you're in at 03. And then uh, all the mental gymnastics that uh, they had to do to build themselves back up, get up there, and then go 7-0 to make the top four and then win the tournament. When you started from such a hole, like I feel like you're even more emotionally invested than most of the other players out there because of your start. So I think you kind of take out what you put in, you know, and he had put in a lot and he had to put in almost a little extra of, of the emotion. Cause when you're, you know, you're, you feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel, you're at the bottom of the standings, you have to invest that much more. Um, but I think it's a, I think it's a great thing. And I think it's a great thing for the game. I think they may have over, uh, put too much of a spotlight on it maybe kept mentioning it and everything i think it's great i think it's a good thing you know i think emotion is good for the game uh you know going up to a player after they finish the match win or lose and be like how do you feel and i think anything that comes out of that player's mouth at that moment is a, a legitimate thing whether it be happy angry frustrated sad you know sick that there are so many emotions that you can feel after a match of magic especially such a high stakes one um like I was saying, you know, I'm not going to start, you know, crying if I'm, you know, if I, if I O2 drop at my F and M, uh, I'm not going to run around the room and cheer if I hit my one outer and while I'm in the one, two bracket during game two. But I think it's very silly for people to not expect emotion in the game, uh, because everybody, this is a passion for everybody. And to say that magic is a passion, you're all here listening. You know, we're all here doing this. This is a passion of ours. So to be passionate about it means that you're emotionally invested. We invest our time, our money, our efforts. Um, uh, we have friendships, relationships, and partnerships that are rooted in magic or, you know, share magic. And I think that that's something that, you know, people need to, to look at, to, to, to reflect on and say, Hey, you know, like there are, it's not just me. It's, you know, my, my, my friendships, my relationships. Um, a quick story uh, the most nervous, the most nerve wracked, the most emotionally invested I ever felt in any match of magic ever. I wasn't even playing. 
Um, I was watching Jim play the finals of the Players' Championships in 2015. It was the biggest tournament that he ever had uh, been in and won, spoilers. But it got to the point where, as a very well-versed Magic player who had played Tron and things before, I was watching him play Tron against a Splinter Twin combo deck, and he played out a Spellskite. And I turned around to, I'll never forget it, turned around to Joe Lissette, and I went, Joe, what does Spellskite do again? Because I forgot. I I plain, I plain forgot. I was so overwhelmed. I couldn't help it. And he was stone-faced and he came out and he was like totally good. And I, I was, I was like a couple of happy tears and everything. And later when I asked him and I said, well, what's the most nervous you've ever been during a match for magic? And he goes, you want me to be honest? He goes, when you were playing for that top eight, uh, in New Jersey, that IQ that I had mentioned earlier where I was playing Abzan. He said that was the, I had never been so nervous during a match of magic. Then some, I was in some local game store, you know, but it's, it's where your emotions are invested. So he's emotionally invested in me. He's emotionally invested in magic. And I think that's okay. So now that I've gone off on some crazy tangent, you know, about our emotions, our relationships, and how that's all interwoven into how we are emotionally attached to magic. What do y'all think? <laughs> Calling time right there because I've yeah. a really good note <laughs> on that one. So for real, I'm going to hit pause real quick. Yeah. Nicole, the biggest things that I took away from your conversation and like, or like conversation, was it a conversation? It's I guess a conversation your, with myself. <laughs> yeah. I guess, you know, Nicole, while you were talking to yourself that entire time, <laughs> I think the, the cool things that I found from it is that, I mean, obviously like there's going to be emotions in the game, right? And the fact that like we invest ourselves in our hobbies and if you invest yourself in the hobbies, you're going to be kind of like invested into those things. Like there's going to be emotions connected to that. But also sometimes the biggest emotions we have are towards other, not, not us. It's, it's going to be towards those that we care about or we want to see like we want to see people succeed in a way that that's where we invest our emotions into the game. And so in that, I think that is a, that's a cool discussion. I think that's a cool point that you make about why emotion is good in the game. And it's good in any game, really. Like how we show emotion is a good thing. There's healthy ways to show it. There's not so healthy ways to show it. There's ways that we can process emotion, which I will probably touch on a little bit later on. But there's, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of what you talked about of the fact that you, you know, you take out what you put in sometimes. And that kind of is a big showcase of what you talk about when we talk about emotion in the game. Caroline, when you think about emotion in magic or about what Nicole said, you know, what stands out to you about about emotion in the game when you think about that, about just the general emotions in magic? What's, what's something that hits your head? So the thing that I've been thinking the most about is online magic versus uh, paper magic. Um, we've been really living in an interesting era in the last couple of years. Last couple, who the frick knows? In the last decade, <laughs> um, <laughs> the last millennium. We've been living in the uh, last hour. Uh, okay, so all joking aside, we've been living in the online world, right? And when we first started, emotion—you know—for going super deep was actually a big part of all of our lives this last year or so. Like it's been. We're expressing it different ways. We're learning about it a lot. We're feeling it a little bit more than others. Who knows? But emotion is around. And then we've been playing a lot of online, online magic. And one of the cool things that eventually got figured out was, hey, webcams can show us 
what a player is doing in the moment. So over the last year, we've gotten some pretty cool clips of people celebrating when they win on camera, um, showing, you know, cool interviews like we did this past weekend at Worlds, showing people rock out to music, um, showing people's roommates going to the bathroom, you know, lots of really (laughs) fun emotions. Um, One of my favorite ones. Um, Yeah. And... The question that I've started to see ask is what's going to happen when we go back to paper? Because one of the feelings I get from when, when people play in person is they like outside of the losing and winning at the end of the match, which is kind of what Nicole talked about. I wanted to talk a little bit about like during the match, how little emotion that magic players and general card game players tend to give because the other person can see them. Um, And I have to admit, I'm pretty bad at this and I'm going to be even worse now that I've spent a year online being allowed to like laugh and frown and and react to cards on the screen and realize, oh my gosh, I'll have to go back to paper magic. Um, And I, I actually really don't think that this hiding our emotions is worth the like, I don't know, 0.001% in game equity you might get. So I would love if people just came back to Paper Magic and was just like, oh, I drew a great card. <laughs> I don't know. I'd be so down for that. Um, but I know that that's not going to happen. So I'm I'm a little bummed. I've kind of enjoyed the people, you know, their reaction to like a card coming off their deck or um, like on the weekend, I only heard Sam emote once and it was, he was playing against Paulo and it was like, I don't know, in the middle, uh, half an hour in or so, he just goes, oh, that's stupid. And I asked him about it later and he's like, oh, Paulo just drew like a really good card and I was upset. <laughs> so like, we're just not going to get that in paper magic, but I wouldn't mind if there was more um, acceptance that emotions are going to be around both happy and sad emotions. Like, I think that Sometimes if someone over-celebrates, that often gets brought up. Like, oh, you were too happy at the end of your match. Same with if someone's really sad and they cry. You were too sad at the end of your match. Um, I, I would like emotions to be more normalized. But I'm not a... Not everyone agrees with me, I think. so. Sam and I had a debate on the way home today. He would like everyone to to have just no emotions. <laughs> not, not actually, not to that extreme. But he... Yeah is happy to he, he says that that kind of emotion should be happened away from the table um whereas i will never do it but i'm happy for people to express their emotions as they need to i think it's an interesting like discussion that you can have between those spots of like because there is certain things where if you see someone who's just empty-handed and top decks the perfect card and plays it and when they play it everyone else is like oh my god and then certain players are like good card like that's hmm like uh-huh okay that's fine like that's 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 one way to react i understand how you might need to take emotion out because like emotion can affect the way we play like for good or bad and all of that kind of stuff there's there's other things i would i have i have thoughts i have thoughts and ideas but before we get to those thoughts i also want to talk to inextrad mr nick price about uh you know emotion and magic what they thought about this past weekend but also like what what are your thoughts nick about the role of emotion in the game yeah uh been here the whole time, been listening intently, really agree with everything <laughs> Nicole said. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I've, I've talked before about how, um, I think I've mentioned on this, on this pod before about how I feel like my game improved during the pandemic and how I, I've been, I played a lot better 
in 2020 because I was at home. And that was counter to what a lot of people experienced where they were much, they felt stronger in paper than at, at home because maybe, you know, on paper they couldn't check their phone or they couldn't have another window open. But I think something that I realized, like just like listening to, to you guys talk about this topic and I think looking at, you know, Yuta Takahashi's awesome reaction on 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 coverage is that um, I... I put so much effort into controlling my emotions on paper. I think that so much, in fact, that it kind of affected how I played or it, it affected my concentration where I'm just an extremely emotional, um, uh, uh, you know, it, it's a cliche, but I wear my heart on my sleeve. So if things are not going well for me in a game of magic, you'll know. Like like my first RPTQ in, in Bangkok, I went there with my, with my girlfriend. She knew, knows nothing about magic, but every round she could tell whether I won or lost. Like just because of my just because of my body language, and that that's already with me trying to you know clamp it down and and just like act professional and not give anything away. So I think it's weird. It was weirdly freeing to be able to just sit in my room and have like a good cry after winning a match, like just right there, because that that is how I deal with like the stress of magic. It's like sometimes I'll you know I'll just tear up a little bit. I'll think about how that match went. So. It is just interesting to me how how we're seeing like a lot of these displays of emotion from Yuta. We saw something from we we we've seen emotional displays from other players, and I just really love seeing that because you know I feel like these people would still want to to do this on paper, but they would feel like they you know it's impolite or it's not professional. So I just I I, I personally just enjoy that people at least feel more comfortable in their own homes to be able to display emotion. And maybe that's good for, you know, maybe it's good for, it was good for my game. Maybe, you know, we'll see more, like Caroline was saying, we'll see more people being politely emotional on paper moving forward. Yeah. I think there's something from that is the, a topic that we, I think that the four of us have thought about on this is, is how other people are going to accept the emotion that you're outputting or that they, the, the emotion that they see at the table. Right. And what paper magic looks like when we come back to it, as Caroline said. So I think that there is something where, you know, I, I have I have someone that I work with who always talks at some point about just being like, hey, we've all been out of the game for a while. Like we've all been around and, and have been basically, we've been feral, basically. Like we haven't seen <laughs> a good humans in a while, right? We're basically <laughs> feral at this point. And so they always come back and say, hey, just a reminder to give yourself and other people space and grace, right? Give other people space and grace in how things are going. And oftentimes, the more we set up an environment, like even if it is a competitive environment, the more we set up an environment where someone else feels okay to express those emotions or feels okay to be emotional in how they play the game, the better off everybody is in some way, shape, or form. I think as well on, on top of that. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Nicole. Oh, I mean, I was going to say one of the other things is that we've been comparing, you know, magic is an e-sport, magic as a sport. And it's a lot, you know, think about athletes, you know, lifting the, the Stanley Cup or or losing that championship match. And it's that's a big it's a big deal. Like, I don't know about you all. I, I had put this in my notes. I, I don't even want to talk about it because it actually gets me choked up. Uh, years ago, there was um, a perfect game. Uh, that was being thrown that got blown by the first base umpire. It was Galarraga was the name of the uh, pitcher. I think Jim Jones was the name of the Jim the Jones umpire. and Andres Galarraga for the Detroit Tigers. For the, yeah. yeah, I'll never forget. I'm a Met fan. So like this, and I'm not a huge baseball fan either, 
I can't even watch the clip because it, the the person that was going to first base was so far out, you know, but it was like such a big thing and it was going to be the last out perfect game and it got blown by a, a messed up call. Now, I'll take you all back a couple years to the semifinals of Pro Tour Hour of Devastation. And you all know what I'm talking about already. Uh, mm. it, Yam Wing Chun playing against uh, PVDDR in the semis. Top deck's the mm. single card that uh, he needs has, you know, uh, top deck's the burn spell, has six points of burn in hand, would bring PVDDR down to five, able to attack with Hazard for, for lethal, and just goes to the attack step and attacks with two cards in hand. Can't do it. Needs to go back. And my heart goes into my stomach every time I think about it. Like, I can't imagine being at the semifinals of the Pro Tour, peeling the card that you need, and then not... And the emotion that I see, that I feel from just seeing the clip years later, I can't even... I still can't do it. And I could not imagine how how uh, Chun had felt at that time on, on stage in front of all these people. You know, like, how, how do you feel? You know, how do you emote that even? Like, and, and this is an in-person event too. Like, this is not even like, you know, behind a camera or anything. Your, your, your opponent's staring at you and your opponent's one of the best Magic players of all time as well. So I, I just, to me, something like that and, and comparing it to like other sports is, 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 is a big deal for, you know, making that connection to emotion as well. So... <laughs> I think something as well to talk about is it's, there's there's a couple of dichotomies to point out from this when it comes to emotion in magic. And one is you, focusing inward, right? The the how we do something, right? There is how we react to something in the moment and how we process, right? How we react to when something happens in a game that when we play, like how we react to something like Caroline pointed to, but the difference between online and paper the difference of how I react to magic if I'm playing online to when there's people around me is very different. And maybe I don't know why, but it's, it's different things. When I'm playing online and I'm just by myself and I've had a bad day and that kind of thing, that will actually <laughs> exacerbate my emotion. I am feral. Right? Are you feral, right? I am. Oh, I'm totally feral. <laughs> I will sit there. Oh, God, yeah. I will sit there and if I open and I start a game and all of a sudden it's like, you know, first play, my opponent is on the play, I'm on the draw, they go swamp, thought sees also i'm like of course you will why wouldn't you come on <laughs> right because i'm just like it's not that big of a deal i'm not even playing competitive ladder at this point i'm just trying to stupid deck but i'm so <laughs> tilted by stuff right because i have not like i have not allowed myself the ways of how i can actually channel and process my emotions so that when i meet like a, a non-competitive thing i can process my emotions in the right way yes caroline so it's really funny because you i i was answering this topic as a whole of like all oh, paper versus online etc cetera, etc cetera. and then as you guys were all talking i was like hmm, when have i been emotional about magic and i want to jump in because i think this idea between processing being able to process information and whatever happened versus emotionally attached to something i think i have my like biggest emotional reaction to a game um I, I cried at the end of a match was because not because of the results of the match. Well, mostly not because, but because of how other magic players interacted with me after that. And basically I had a, a, a person, an acquaintance <laughs> um, who, you know, was not great at expressing themselves um, and basically, you know, pointed out all the mistakes I made you know, in, in other words, said I sucked and that that's why I lost. 
like after I just lost this big important match. And so that personality type just wrecked me. Like I lost it. I, I like cried forever. I ran away. Like I, I didn't really hang out with that person afterwards much after that. Like that wasn't working for me, but that, I think that type of magic, that type of emotion to magic, it's not healthy in the sense that people need to understand emotions better and not say these like awkwardly truthful sentences or go up to someone who's like Nick, right? If, if you can tell Nick lost a match, maybe don't go up to him and be like, so how'd you do? <laughs> like like if, 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 if someone's sitting there with their hands in their head and they're all bummed out and it's day, you know, it's the end of 15 rounds at a Grand Prix and they're, and they lost, you know, we need to process, we need to interpret people's emotions a little bit better, but I'm totally down for people to be happy or sad at the end of the match and show that emotion. But what I think we need to improve in as general as humanity is just being able to read other people's emotions and understand what that means for us. And I, the thing I hated the most was when someone would ask me how I did when it was to me very clear that I did not win that round. <laughs> I think knowing um, that Caroline, if I'm, if I'm ever in a situation where I'm watching you play paper ranching and you do lose, like I'm hoping the context is good enough that I can just go up next to you, just like slap you on the back and boy, boy, that sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that was boy. But, that but was I think, sad. but I think this whole processing thing is super important because I think there's very different than just, I feel sad or I feel happy versus how do I manipulate the situation to, to show some emotion, but also for others around me to respond? And I think that's the thing that magic players struggle with. So when someone asked Jacob Wilson after he lost the finals of a pro tour, how do you feel? And he says, I feel physically ill. That person who asked him that needs to navigate around that and be like, okay, let me work from this. Instead, everyone just got really upset with Jacob for not like having emotion. Or yeah. not for not being happy that he made the finals or whatever it was. But we need to learn how to interact with people's emotions instead of just being like, oh, you're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to be sad. Yeah. Like, and, and also at the same time, not dictate how people should feel. Like we right. might be able to help somebody process or help somebody, you know, if, if someone is maybe uh, going through emotions in a non-healthy way, we can, in, a, in an FNM or whatever it is, we can... Simply yeah, being if, to listen. If Brasky shows up to FNM and gets mad that you turn one thoughts he's them. Um, we probably gotta <laughs> help Brasky figure out how to handle that. Also, yeah. probably ask what format they're playing. Also, <laughs> playing in paper historic. Uh, <laughs> but I think at the same time, like you, you point that out as well, like we all have ways in which we can react to like a, a lot of this is also how do we react healthily, right? And that means not telling other people how they should feel. That means also thinking about how we process our own emotions into different spots. I think all of those are important. I think it's also important to note that there is a, it's not a, not a good and bad, but something that I always note is, is that every emotion has a light and a dark side to it, right? Laughter, right? Laughter, there's a, there's a, good light side to it there's a dark side to it there's laughter that's like hey, it's great this is awesome and there's laughter that is i'm really enjoying something mean right there is there is hurt right there is hurt and hurt has a light side to it which is something that i cared about that that i lost or i don't have anymore and there is a dark side to hurt which is i need to get revenge or i need to do something mean like there is always how we interpret our different emotions can always have different ways to interpret them and so I think the big part about this is 
finding the healthy ways to do so, finding ways we can support each other in that, and also giving each other the space to not tell someone how they should feel, but help them in that emotional journey that they are currently feeling so that they can process it in the right way. I, you, you, that, like, I 100% agree. And I also think it's it's about kind of trusting the other people in your community, right? Like, if if I lose if I lose a PTQ, and, I, and I've lost some PTQs, if my opponent reacts, you know, victoriously, that they, they, they are joy, joyous that they have won, that I I would intend to to be salty or, you know, to tell to tell them that they're overdoing it or to tell my friends that I wish they hadn't celebrated because I kind of trust that, you know, they they weren't happy to beat me specifically. I wasn't I, I wasn't the villain. I wasn't the heel that they enjoyed beating. Like this is just a really awesome moment in their magic career. Uh, you know, if they win a PTQ against me, and I think that it would be the same thing with me. It's like I, I when I when I win the finals of of a, of a tournament, I'm I'm never happy that I beat this person in particular. I'm just glad that I won. So I think that you know you you just need to trust that that these emotions emotions are coming from a place of like good faith, I guess. And I think that it's also on the other hand, like it's also pretty easy to spot people who are emoting or people who are being emotional you know in bad faith like when they're being unnecessarily salty that 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 the top deck didn't go their way and then that you know that's when you can also trust their friends to kind of tell them hey that's not cool um there are better ways that you can express this i I think really it's just not i I try not to get worked up when other people show emotion because i feel like um it's yeah it's just coming from a place where they need to express themselves and you know i'll only maybe feel bad if it seems like you know they they mean to say something about my play or whatever yeah i think as well as when you point out that like if you're the friend of somebody or a teammate of somebody uh read the room as well because you know nick you were like you said you said the phrase like you know i've lost some ptqs and my initial reaction because we're all trolling each other is just go some you've lost some you've lost come on okay there was always that kind of thing there's always spots where you can recognize like how how someone's gonna react to ways you might diffuse the situation is this gonna make it worse or make it better i i, I lost one ptq final one he's lost actually okay so everyone make mark it down nick nick price <laughs> has lost one ptq in his entire career that's not yes, what Nicole. i said that's not what i've lost no, you've lost one ptq that's all i heard from that and that's fine and you know what because i'm your friend i feel so good for you that you've only ever lost one ptq nicole did you have something else that you were going to jump on with oh no no i was enjoying you jumping all over nick there actually good. perfect <laughs> you could do Fan- all the jumping <laughs> fantastic i'm going to be jumping all over the place on this one but i think there's there's a lot of jumps we can make in terms of the discussion of emotions in magic right and and what that means in different contexts and I, I will say for myself like i am the most casual player of the four of us and so in that like when i when the topic of emotion and magic came through like to me it went to my commander play group which is we all try to you know the, the baseline that we all say is that we all want to have like a fun play experience or way but at the same time sometimes things happen and you're playing a political game and all these things happen and people can get salty people can get grumpy and so oftentimes you have to think about it's it's weird because it's not a competitive thing. You have to think about the emotion of your playgroup if you play a certain deck or if you play a certain card in your deck and how people are going to react to it. And I did not 
I did not know how that felt in certain places when I brought a $50 budget deck that stole everyone's crap. And after I got done playing it, everyone's like, yeah, that was cool. Don't ever do that again because everyone was just grumpy at the end of the night, right? But then they started making decks that retaliated against me. And then we all had this whole thing where we basically had this like airing of the grievances where we just said, all right, listen, hold on a second. We can't be putting these cards in our decks just to get back at somebody else and do all of that kind of thing. But at the same time, the how we react to other people was important as well because I knew that since I since I played a certain way or because I like because I hang out with very experienced magic players, I play a little bit tighter than my than my friends do. That oftentimes when I go into that commander game with that play group, I am the target of focus from the very first card. I'm the target of focus from the very first time a land is played. It is we need to control Brasky. We need to corral Brasky in some way, shape, or form. <laughs> and I could treat that as a, well, screw you guys. If I'm not going to play, I'm going home. Like that kind of thing. No, I choose to say, I'm going to interpret my, interpret my emotions this way. I want to create an emotional environment for my play group that is much more positive and say, if everyone's talking to me, be like, all right, you know what? I get it. I totally understand. I completely deserve this right now. But later on, just you wait. Like that is a <laughs> like. Had I reacted completely negative negatively to that, no one's having fun that evening, right? No one's having a good time playing Magic: The Gathering at that point. So it is how I interpreted the emotions I thought I was going to feel, thinking about the rest of the circumstances around it, and then interpreting it and and processing my emotions differently from there. That made for a better positive experience overall. That's that doesn't happen in the competitive side of the game, but it's still a a matter of emotion into magic and how we invest ourselves into other people as, as kind of Nicole said, like she invested, she invests herself into Jim playing the game or, or you can invest yourself into, you know, your son playing the game, right? I will invest myself into the other people that are playing the game. That's just different ways in which we all want to make sure and how we process emotions into the game. Yeah. I might've cried a little bit when, when Caroline won the VML, maybe a little bit, maybe just, just a titch, <laughs> just up. a smidge. Yeah. Just a little bit. I was I was casting. I was very excited. I was it's like true. emotionally invested. I tried to like cast fine because you know non bias and all that jazz. But I was just like you know my. But friends. I know you were biased. I was <laughs> totally biased. Well, I mean my casting wasn't biased, but the rest of me was. Where I was just like we should have seen the should have seen the feedback surveys that season. No, I'm kidding. See, but here's the thing, though. On top of that, like, as much as I am by myself when someone plays thought sees against me turn one and I'm yelling out that that kind of thing, if I see my friends doing well in Magic and win a VML or maybe win, like, an arena open or something, and I'm by myself, it's the same thing. I'm just being like, yes! Awesome! Right? I'm, like, stoked! That's what I want to see! Way to go! Like, it's the same, it's the same brash emotions where, in person, I'd be like, awesome job! Way to go! Good job, everybody! <laughs> It was all the emotions I wasn't allowed to show while I, while the casting was happening, and it just kind of like fell out of my eyes. So <laughs> that's kind of how it happened, and it was Absolutely. a beautiful feeling. And you know what's a beautiful feeling? When the people who listen to this podcast and follow us on Twitter tell us about emotions that they experience in Magic the Gathering, either by leaving us a comment or a review on any podcasting platform they're listening on, or telling us on Twitter at fam underscore podcast about how they, how they deal with emotions and magic about the good and bad of it, about how they think emotions play a role in the game. And that's what we want to hear from you by tweeting at us at fam underscore podcast. Now, when we think of emotions and magic, the biggest emotions we have sometimes the emotions when, when something, when something ends in this episode, 
this episode of this podcast is going to end. And I'm feeling a lot of different emotions. Some of it's a little bit of relief. Some it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's just I'm gassy, but uh, at the same time, I'm also feeling positive too. Yes. Is hunger on. emotions? Uh, hanger uh, is emotions, right? You can get okay, hangry. Well, I'm hangry AF, so let's wrap this up. <laughs> get us some Reese's Pieces. Yeah, we're going to get some Reese's Pieces and some if other things. If they hadn't eaten all my Reese's okay, Pieces, Peace is the hungry. last thing that's going uh, like, that, that's gonna reign in, in, in Caroline's house, okay? More like I'm so Reese's mad. Arguments is... Here, you all can listen to the sound of an empty bag of Reese's peanut butter cups that I bought this, yesterday. Listen here, this is not an ASMR podcast. That is Nick's other magic podcast. Is meant for that. You will guest on it next week. Don't worry about it. What I am going to worry about is where people can find you. All of my co-casters in the worlds of the internet and otherwise, when we are playing Magic: The Gathering and other things. So to get her out of here so that she can find her own Reese's peanut butter cups and eat some food and not be so hangry. Caroline channel your emotions into telling people where they can find you playing magic and all the other wonderful things you do. Oh, you can find me on Twitter at mighty Linguini. <laughs> I can't do it. You can find me on Instagram. At I'm so mad. <laughs> and you can find me on twitch.tv slash the mighty linguini i stream on wednesdays i always have a magic guest but we don't always play magic awesome thank you so much caroline i actually want you to stick around for a little bit while we talk about some more things for the next spot maybe for the next <laughs> 25 minutes just kidding nicole what are you doing in the world of magic where can people find you doing <laughs> well i am on twitter um at lady of the crease I also have an Instagram now. I don't know how to work it, but I am Lady of the Crease because you all yelled at me for being old and not technologically inclined last week. So I made I have an I have an Instagram. I don't know what to do with it, but I have. There were there were a lot of emotions in that Instagram. <laughs> that was what was happening there. There were Nicole. Can yes. I propose that you that you change your social media handles to Hey Howdy Hey? <laughs> Is it available? And would you do it? Hold on, I have to check because how great would it be? That would be no, the best Nick's thing. Nick's gonna ever. steal it. Nick's gonna steal it. Hold on. Why didn't you tell me this in like a, a no, private? Nick's moment? hands. Nick's hands are in the air. He's not touching. Hands up. We can't touch hands the keyboards, up, everybody. Everyone who's listening to this podcast, put your hands up right now. Unless you're driving, for the love of God, keep the hands on the steering wheel. It's taken. Dang it! Oh no! They're oh my God! Someone made an tweet. NFT about it. They're only tweet. They have one follower, zero following. No, no picture. Their name. No, is they're Dana hey, 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 five. Oh, there's Hey Hattie five seven. It's oh, hey. Dana Ann, and they tweeted on July eighth of two thousand nine. The tweet is nothing at all, all lowercase, <laughs> and that's it. It is so. That's oh, I so found Beckett. It. That I'm is so, so Beckett. This Man. is devastating. I am. I'm actually devastated. I all can't right. even send them a message. So this is the proper way to show emotion right now. It's just that we're all pissed. <laughs> oh, we're that would have been such a good. Name change, Nicole. That's a really good name change. <laughs> but otherwise, Nicole, if we can't find you at Hey Howdy Hey, we can at least oh, find you at Lady of the Crease yeah, in all the different ways. I'm yeah, still Lady of the Crease. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I guess it's fine. Nick, I didn't mean to deflate all of the energy of the rest of the podcast, but where can we find you on the No internet? problem. You can find me on Twitter <laughs> at NXTRADMTG, where I am always ready, but I don't always say Hey Howdy Hey. <laughs> Perfect. Of course, I feel you like can... I was being mocked there, but okay. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and Twitch at Brasky1142. And of course, please subscribe to us on any podcasting platform you listen to us on and leave us a review wherever you are and follow us on Twitter at fam 
underscore podcast. Not podcast, podcast. The broadcast <laughs> is an entirely different situation. We need to <laughs> That one was taken. Yeah, that one was already taken. And guess what? When <laughs> when the broadcast <laughs> happens, they say, hey, howdy, hey. So from that, we thank everybody for listening to this show. We hope that you feel good emotions and positive emotions from listening to this episode. And we will see you all and listen to you all and hear you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye, howdy, bye. Bye, howdy. What's the opposite of howdy? Look here. See, see her. See her. Bye, see her. Bye, see bye. Yeah, there you go. Bye, see you, bye. Yeah, I guess that is how it is. Damn. Okay. Good to know.